severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to episode 116 of Just Get A Real Job podcast. I hope you're well, thank you for tuning in. As always, I'm of course your host, Jamie McKinley. It feels very strange recording this on a Tuesday night instead of a Monday night. Of course, going forward, we're going to be releasing this podcast on a Wednesday now, just to accommodate me and Elliot's very busy schedules. But we love doing this and we want to release this with the most time and effort we can. And Elliot gives up a lot of his free time to edit this, so whatever makes his life easier as well then we will oblige. But we have another brilliant episode in store for you this week and we are joined by physical theatre maker and performer Roxy Cantor. And apologies to Roxy if I've said your surname wrong. I often pronounce people's surnames wrong. I'm always apologising for it in the intros. But I just want to make sure. I don't want to get a message further down the line being like, you said her name wrong. I actually spelt poor Sean's name wrong on the promo for last week's episode. So to the listeners that point that out, I'm very sorry. I'm very dyslexic, but I did spell Sean wrong. But it's a weird way of spelling Sean, in my opinion. No offence, Sean. That's a great episode as well, by the way, so thank you to all the amazing feedback we'd had on that. It's been really nice to see Boiling Point go out and to have Sean and Jack back on. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, be sure to go back and check that one out. It's been doing really well. But yes, we are joined this week by the brilliant Roxy Cantor, who I mentioned is a physical theatre maker and performer. She's currently on tour with... A show called Pickled Republic, which sounds very interesting and is surrealist and absurdist and just sounds really cool and it has a really nice poster. I'm really keen to see it when it comes back to the Central Belt. That's on tour at the moment, so it was really cool because we actually recorded this one. We did it on Zoom, but Roxy and her team were on tour, so they pulled over at a beach and we recorded this one. She was in her tour van, which was really nice, added a little bit of atmosphere to the podcast. But it's a really good episode. Roxy was so interesting, talked about growing up in Moldova, how that's influenced her work, talked about moving and making a career in Scotland, making a living as a theatre maker her show and lots more it's a really lovely chat also massive shout out to the hp film festival for having us at the weekend we did our sixth live show we'd done so far on sunday morning it was a really nice conversation thanks to everyone that came to see that as well much appreciated it's lovely to get out and do this in front of an audience and to feel like you're sort of having an impact is always a nice feeling but that's a really interesting conversation we're going to be putting that one out next week and it might possibly be going out in two parts as well so got that to look forward to Anyway, without much further ado, this is episode 116 with Roxy Cantor. Enjoy. Good evening, Roxy. Thank you for coming on Just Get Real. It was lovely to speak to you tonight. You're recording from a van on tour, which is very cool. It's adding a nice vibe to the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Hi, Jamie. It's nice to be here. Thanks for chatting to me today. Yeah. Where are you speaking to us from? I know you already told me off air, but tell, tell the listeners, it's quite a nice yeah. bit different. We're on our way to Aberdeen, where we have a show and a few workshops in the next few days. We're performing at the uh, Lemon Tree in Aberdeen, and we pulled over in Stonehaven at Stonehaven Beach to have a little chat before we get into the city. <laughs> That's lovely. Well, do you want to sort of tell us a bit about what you do, just very briefly before we get into the podcast, just so they let the listeners know a bit about you, etc. Yeah, sure, sure. So my name is Roxy. I'm a physical theatre maker and performer. 
So I devise and write my own material and I perform it either as a solo work or in collaboration with others. This show that I'm currently working on called Pickled Republic is something that I conceived and created and am now performing. And it's about in a jar with loads of pickled veg characters <laughs> that are all struggling with their really with their existence and their demise as the jar gets moldier. And we kind of say that it's kind of like existential questions and ridiculous answers. Well, there's some beautiful images from the show. The poster's amazing as well. Get into like more about Pickled Republic and, and the tour, etc. as we go on. I wanted to kickstart with sort of your earliest creative memories, etc. So I'm sure you're going to have some very interesting things to say on this as well. Yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting question. I think one of the first things that I thought about was well, uh, I'm from Moldova originally, which was part of the Soviet Union, and I was mm. born in 88. So when the Soviet Union fell, I was about three. So I do remember some of the transitional parts of the country. And we started getting, you know, like some Western stuff when I was a child or a teenager. And we started getting Looney Tunes and stuff, you know, Mr. Bean, things like that. So I think my brother and myself would, some of my earlier creative memories would be about my brother and myself imitating some of that stuff, both physically mm. and verbally, audibly, even though we didn't speak English that well, but just trying to make each other laugh. And those are some quite happy memories, you know, trying to imitate Daffy Duck or Sylvester the Cat or <laughs> gosh, even Kramer from Seinfeld, which we started getting after a while. And that was, you know, <laughs> trying to come through the door the way he would or Ace Ventura even just really just trying to imitate some of that kind of stuff and make each other laugh <laughs> as much as we could. No, that's a really interesting answer. I think you're the first Moldovan guest we'd had on the podcast as well. It's always nice to tick off countries as we go, you know, we're sure. 100, over 115 episodes in, but we're slowly getting through some a nice uh, variety yeah. of places. But that actually kind of really nicely ties into my next sort of question about how where you're from has influenced you as a creative. And I know obviously studied in the States as well. And now, mm. you know, I've lived in Scotland since, is it 2015? Yeah, late 2015. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, you it's like all these different cultures must have influenced you a lot in different ways. But how did sort of growing up in Moldova, I know you vaguely touched on it there, but how has that sort of shaped you as an artist yeah. and as a creator? Do you know, I think when I was growing up again, the country was going through a massive transition. So we just lived with the absurd, like with the in everyday life and I think even even a story that kind of inspired Pickled Republic is kind of drawn from some of these stories a story specifically that's fairly absurd you know you're where you're growing up in in Moldova that was trying to basically regain its national and, and linguistic identity and but you all of a sudden mm. find yourself in a position as a country where you have to govern yourself after decades of being <laughs> under the Soviet Union so a lot of that stuff just gave way for loads of ridiculous ridiculous and weird and kind of like living next to like completely absurd situations and I would say that yeah it's just kind of like the proximity to absurd on a daily basis was a thing mm. and I'll say even as the golden era of the theater in Moldova was pretty much like 80s 90s I would say and it was mostly based in absurdist theater there was a huge movement of Eugene UNESCO inspired absurdist theater that we still view as a kind of golden era of Moldovan theater. Mm. And when I when I mean absurd, I mean kind of like, yeah, some of the stuff that UNESCO has written, but basically 
I also define as kind of like that fine line between tragic and hilarious and they kind of living kind of on the same edge, but steer a little bit and you move into the other genre, like stuff like that that just coexists. Paradoxes, existing in paradox essentially is I think what I'm talking about. Mm. No, that's all really interesting. And like sort of talking about that time, especially you being sort of a child as well. So you're absorbing this sort of strange, absurd world around you. And then all this, as you're saying, this fear is really big at the time. Do you think mm. that's kind of why you maybe make I'm obviously not I'm not at the pleasure of seeing your work yet but and it, so I don't want to call it all absurd I know it's kind of a variety of stuff but do you think that's definitely one of the reasons why a lot of your sort of theatre works maybe a bit more absurd and surrealist etc yeah I've definitely felt more drawn to the surrealist movement and more of the absurdist movement and I, I think maybe that's part of it as well and one other paradox that I kind of grew up with is also just massive cultural movements in in Moldova growing up but also having the privilege and being so lucky to have the family that I had and grandparents who lived still kind of on their land and we were very close to we were even talking to the band today about like had such a happy childhood just kind of like making cheese and climbing cherry trees like in a way fairly idyllic even though it was set against the backdrop of like massive political and cultural changes that and and lots of scary stuff as well where you go like oh but the way I remember it was oh I was just climbing cherry trees <laughs> so yeah I think it definitely made me more interested in kind of the more absurdist takes on life. And I and I think it's partly we also kind of make sense of our world as well as kind of how we dream as well when we sleep. It feels random, but our brain makes connections and it's it's often not narrative based, but mostly just like this weird connection that connects to this other thing. So I've definitely felt more drawn to it probably because of my upbringing yeah how is like I know you've been in Scotland as we said for a number of years now and and studying in American stuff how do those three cultures are probably there'll be overlaps but they're all probably quite different I'd I'd, I'd reckon Scotland's probably closer to Moldova than America is though is that would that be mm-hmm. right in saying that yeah or I mean there are, of... there's definitely lots of similarities I think I always really enjoyed learning about Scotland because in a way we're similar in size. It like Scotland is similar in size to Moldova. Moldova is smaller now, but yeah. it was always kind of like a smaller country, kind of like yeah, trying to get ahead and trying to like prove itself. Maybe at least that was my take in terms of Moldova. And I think I yeah. felt a little bit of a connection as well in some of the you know fight for Scotland, Scottish independence stuff like that that I felt quite close to as well. So yeah, I think do you know interestingly living in Scotland for a few years was amazing because it was learned also that Glasgow specifically has a very rich vaudeville history, which, you know, like Stan Laurel of Laurel and Hardy, you know, he mm. gigged a lot in, in Glasgow and in, in his time. And there's a very rich history of kind of like those kinds of acts and vaudeville acts and stuff that happened around the time. So I found lo- loads of connections that I enjoyed from kind of my life that when I moved to Scotland that I was like, ah, oh, I think this is, this is great. I, I can see these connections and I enjoy it. Yeah. No, it's really cool. It's, it's great that you'd sort of buried yourself into the art scene here and have sort of made it your home. It's really cool and exciting. Yeah. I wanted to sort of ask quickly though, what, what, how did you find sort of studying in America and stuff? What was that, like the creative scene like compared to Scotland, for example? Do you know, I, I was in America during very formative years because I was an exchange student in high school for a year and then I did uni there for four and then I did my master's degree for three in physical theater. So I picked up the accent, as you can probably hear. And then <laughs> I was mostly in sort of like 
learning environments. And it was lovely. I got lovely educations for both uh, for, for one year of high school and then uni and master's degree. I think one of the big things that, especially in, in the master's that's more related to my physical theater stuff, it was huge teacher and kind of rigor and hard work, uh, kind of the American mm-hmm. <laughs> ethic, work ethic that kind of stuck in a big way and appealed to me as well as an Eastern European. But like, it was great. And the quality and degree of education that I got was outstanding. I was quite lucky. I think I got, you know, scholarships and stuff that made it happen for me. Very aware of a lot of my friends who are now in debt because of because of the system there. But I felt very lucky to get the quality of education I did and having had scholarships and stuff. Hmm. No, that's again, I mean, there's so much to talk to you about. You've done all these amazing <laughs> things. I'm really excited for this question. But do you have a favorite word or phrase from Moldova that you really like that stands out to you? Yeah, there is one word that is called, that's that's pronounced dor, spelled D-O-R. And it's, it, there's no English translation for it. But they're like, I know that Portuguese have it in their language. Uh, hmm. And they're, I think in Portuguese, it's saudade, meaning you miss something, you're, you miss something that's distant or the, something that's happened. So it's got quite a few layers of meaning that and I think that's why I like it is that it's not just missing something or someone, it also implies yearning for something. So yeah, the word itself sounds nice. And I think some of its implications are quite nice as well. So, so is it dor, dor, yeah? Dor. Uh, dor, D-O-R. Dor, and we yeah. roll our R's. In the I like game. it, yeah. You roll your R's as well. Yeah, We're yeah. good at rolling our R's here, you probably know. Yeah. Love it. I always do this to guests who have like now started living in Scotland, which isn't all the time on the podcast, but it's always lovely to have someone that's living on Scotland on it. It's always a nice thing, but... I'm maybe cheeky and ask you for another word. Do you have, is there a Scottish word you picked up since you lived here, or a word that you really like since you started living here? <laughs> Do you know we were talking about this with the band, and maybe <laughs> I don't know. I really like, and I don't know if this is bad to say, but I really like Jobby. I think Jobby's hilarious. That's <laughs> um, a good word, isn't it? And and my brother lives in the states even now, and when I told him that what this means here in scotland that he we both had a good laugh about it but yeah i do i think it sounds so silly and <laughs> quite an absurdist word in itself to be honest yeah it is it is yeah. i think it starts with job and yeah there's there's lots of things that i find funny about the word <laughs> it's yeah. a very amusing one thank you for that answer well i wanted to sort of ask i mean kind of touched on this but do you want to maybe describe a bit more about the theater you make and the sort mm-hmm. of types of different theater before we go into maybe talk about pickled republic etc sure sure so yeah i do physical theater and specifically devised physical theater which means that i write it and make it essentially either by myself or with others most of the time it's with others because no person is an island <laughs> and and i actually quite enjoy collaborating with others and i have a longtime collaborator sarah rose and we've worked together for quite a long time now so i do enjoy the collaborative nature of the work that i do and even just as a parenthesis, even though this is a solo show that I'm touring right now, it is the product of just so many people around me that are amazing talents. So I do enjoy that. But so when I say physical theater, I mean, based in movement, based in imagery, and Mm. based in character. Basically, it's not just a written text that I take and act out, which is I've done before, and I would happily do again, don't get me wrong. I think it's just I prefer to do something that comes from movement from the body I think I find that more truthful for myself I often say the body never lies um, <laughs> and 
I don't always trust words very much. <laughs> I was reading an interview you did a few weeks ago. I think it was in August when I was doing my research and you were talking about how you find, you, as you were saying there, just movement maybe easier than like words and stuff. To be funny as well, you're talking about like how for humour, like you find the physical stuff just easier to convey. And I thought it was really Absolutely. Yeah, I think the body is truly transformative. And I've, again, I've been lucky enough to kind of have tra- physical training and stuff like that, but also my own predilection for physical comedy and just my own interest in the physical body in terms of movement and how it transforms that yeah I find it very truthful <laughs> sorry I'm gonna be a little bit in the dark here uh, <laughs> my goal outside it's a lovely uh, sky it's a lovely sky yeah it is this yeah is podcasting so I, on the move podcast yeah move. <laughs> sorry <dude. laughs> yeah I find that the body is much more truthful and again it's it's so transformative and I think like from some of the stuff that I do even in Pickled Republic where I wear some masks and other and costumes in many weird ways I guess I would say and and I think it's also more fun I find words hilarious as well don't get me wrong and actually Pickled has loads of words in it as well it's not that I just think that the departure point for new work for me is is always more interesting when it comes out of a, a body image or a body transformation where a character that walks different or movement or you know movement improvisation and stuff like that yeah, yeah. no it's, it's all really rich and like again there's so many different forms of storytelling which you find interesting how do you find that that interacts with sort of not I don't know if that's the right word but like mainstream theatre like how do you find like physical theatre in Scotland and the UK sort of community like how do people still come and see obviously you're on tour and stuff but do you find it's quite well received there's quite a good scene for that still yeah do you know I think Scotland has a small physical theatre community but it's I often call it small but mighty because there's enough of us that kind of make interesting work and tour work and and are just really great talents I think it's it's some really talented artists doing work at the moment and do you know it's funny and I think the UK has incorporated a lot of the physical theater stuff more than in some of the other places that I've been and in fact there was a time when physical theater was actually called total theater in the UK so and I think I do think it's 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 one like it's a it's in every course it's in every drama school at the moment yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think people do see the importance of it because I and I think happily long gone are the days where you just have a floating head speaking words which was the case for a while I think even in the 80s let's say whatever you know a, a while ago so I think people do understand especially people who train actors and they do understand the importance of it which which is a delight I think because even in Scotland I've seen the physical theater community and industry boom even in the last few years and mm. it's quite a delight to see and there's lots more interesting clown which is another style that I kind of do which is related to physical theater and comedy and stuff so yeah yeah I think in the UK definitely people see the importance of it and that makes me quite happy <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But I suppose even if you want to be like a more mainstream or conventional actor on anything, like move, like I'm not an actor or performer myself, but having worked around them and stuff, like movement's so important and even a look to, you know, in response to a word and stuff. So I think a lot of actors who I'm friends with and stuff quite enjoy studying that, even if they don't go on to do that for a living, because it's, you know, it's such a useful skill to have. Of course. I think, well, the voice is part of our, our voice apparatus is part of the physical body. So if you don't have a physical awareness or a minimal physical awareness, then it will affect your vocal quality as well. So mm-hmm. I think, and most of human communication is based in physical and body language and physicality, you know, and I think a lot of people forget that. 
but it's true. Like we, yeah. we get many more of our social cues and our personal interpersonal cues from body language and gestures and stuff. So more so than than words so yeah it is it's, it's hugely important no it's really interesting I, I listened to a ted talk recently i've totally forgotten the woman's name i'll link it when the show comes out so they have the listeners have it but okay so it's future jamie here the person who i was referencing there is a woman called amy cuddy who did a very famous ted talk a few years ago all about communication and body language. It's a really interesting talk. It's had like 23 million views on YouTube or something, so you've probably heard of it before. She was recently on the Diary of a CEO podcast with Stephen Bartlett, which is obviously a very famous podcast and a very good podcast. But if you're interested in either of them, there's links to them underneath the podcast. Anyway, back to today's show. Enjoy. She was talking about how language has only been around for a few thousand years, so we'd evolved to communicate through physical movement. So we don't realize how much of our communication is actually through physicality. We forget on, you know, in any situation, even at a job interview, a lot of the time it's how you're physically coming across almost more than what you're saying some of the time. And we don't realize the cues that give off. So it must be interesting. Oh, 100%. I think if anything, I think physical training for an actor is hugely important because it also teaches you physical awareness and how to look after your body because you want to be an actor who can work for a while, you know, so it means you have to be aware of how your body moves and needs to be aware of how your body does things. Otherwise, you won't have a very long career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's important. I'd go further, though. I think everyone would benefit from more physical training. Like, I, you know, I do this. This is an audio medium that like, we don't use the video for this. And like, mm. you know, it's like I, I feel like when I do live podcasts, which we quite often get to do. I'm sometimes like, I don't really know how to hold myself. And like, you know, I find like my physical side is not as good a communicator as maybe my voice and stuff. So, you know, it's it's so interesting. I, I would be very open to learning more about physical movement. And I've, it's a oh. shame. I think mean, they should definitely teach it in school and stuff more than they maybe do now. 100%. I think everybody needs a class in physical awareness, at least. <laughs> so, and because it's useful for everybody. And again, like in terms of how people use their body. And, you know, when I was training for in California, physical theater and stuff, like we were so lucky to have loads of disciplines like Tai Chi and Alexander Technique, stuff that's even to this day, you know, for I use in my career and my work, but also just in terms of everyday life in terms of how you sit and how you're aware of stuff and it's 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 hugely important and I think yeah we're definitely missing something by not teaching it to in schools or to everybody <laughs> yeah for sure another reason why the arts in general are so important and you know speaking on a week where like they just cut the you know 10 percent of the Scottish creative budget stuff I'm sure that's probably been talked about but it's, you know it's not good at all yeah. um, no it's it's been very disconcerting that yeah not not good news at all especially no. since like creative Scotland is supporting yeah. this tour so ugh, yeah it's great yeah. It's i won't great. make us go into that absurdity mm. too much we'll stick to theater absurdity maybe more interesting there you go. and more upbeat for you but let's talk about pickled republic obviously you're on tour now you know the tour started how long have you been on tour for now is it started like last week or something right yeah yeah we premiered we opened the show on the 21st of september in glasgow which was good crack great experience and we sold out the show Amazing. and then we did a show in st andrews and then in Carradale, which is outside of campbelltown so yeah just three performances but we have another show we have another two shows this week amazing um, and yeah. yeah pickled pickled's been going great like i say i had an amazing team behind me and it's been total joy to to play this show it's it's, mm. it's that's the thing it's like when you write and create a show and then kind of like helping with admin and stuff as well the actual the the, the juicy pleasure of it comes from like 
putting in front of an audience and actually playing it and then you're like yeah this is fun <laughs> this is fun Amazing. part <laughs> well do you want to maybe tell us a bit about how the show came about i was reading that it was like a story that was from one of your uncles in moldova which sounded really interesting do you want to tell that story because it's amazing yeah sure so it originated exactly like you said with the story from my uncle he uh, in moldova we still have moldovan funeral criers or keeners so somebody who's hired to come cry at a funeral and one of these women was hired to go to a funeral and do the crying bit and she climbed into a coffin and asked somebody to take a picture of her because she wanted to see what she would look like when she died so it was it's of course a completely inappropriate story it's awful but it's also hilarious and absurd and I think and I know this woman she lived in my grandmother's village so I think it was just it sparked something in me that story something about yeah this kind of uh, the fact that it was set up in a funeral when things are meant to be quite solemn and, and sad and, you know, stuff, but it's also quite hilarious. Because, and I think that's kind of what continued to interest me, this kind of line between hilarity and tragedy. So hilarity on the backdrop of tragedy and death and destruction, I think. <laughs> and Pickled was inspired by that. And, and then from then, little by little, I've been working on the show on and off for a few years now and kind of creating the characters one by one and then testing them. Some of them I've tested for years and then kind of like tested them in scratch nights and then gone back and improved on them. And and then some of some of the characters are quite new. Uh, so I've just managed to test them recently, take them up for a ride and see what sticks in front of an audience, which is often the case with new work. You kind of have to put it in front of an audience until so that you know what works. And yeah, and it's it's centered around like I said, these characters who are stuck in a jar that's about to go off and it's set in a cabaret style and all these characters are coming forward basically as their last hurrah before the jar goes off and expresses their <laughs> whatever they want to express before they die. And for me, thematically, the show ties into our sense of purpose and our, our search for purpose and what's it like when we either fulfill it or we don't fulfill it right before the end and what that causes in us, what does that cause laughter, does that cause crying, basically just a reflection on and uh, an exercise and uh, looking at that theme through the through the lens of these wacky characters that are stuck in a jar. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds it sounds so interesting. I'm so sad that like when I read that it was on tour, I was like, oh, it's already been to Glasgow, but I'm this. Uh, I'm sure sure you have other dates in the central belt coming up, etc. So no, yeah, yeah, no Edinburgh excuse, and yeah, yeah, exactly. But the title itself so interesting, like Pickled Republic, because. The word pickled just sounds like, you know, everything's a bit fragmented and confused. And I feel like we really much, not just in the UK, but probably in the West at the moment, like mm-hmm. it does feel a bit pickled and a bit absurd. And we'd sort of forgotten what, you know, it just feels like the way we live isn't quite working. And we all kind of know it isn't working, but no one's sort of admitting that maybe the system we're in isn't working. So it just kind of feels like it really chimes with that. Oh, yeah, totally. It's I totally hear everything that you've just said. And I th- I agree. I think everybody's like, you know, it's like, just pretend that you know what you're doing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, fake it till you make it. But then like, everybody's faking it. And no, nobody's making it. Like, I, I totally agree. I feel like we're in this weird existential soup. I think there's so many things going on right now that feel just quite pickly yeah. and I think even in terms of the, the the process of pickling it's so I think once you stop to think about it it's so interesting as a thing it kind of extends the life of a vegetable but also kind of stops its growth hmm. I don't know there's there's some interesting thoughts around that as well in terms of what pickling actually is yeah it's very interesting 
Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash justgetarealjob, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. I wanted to also ask about the show because also this podcast is kind of aimed at emerging creatives, people working in the sort of creative industries that are interested in it, who maybe are inspired to work in it in various ways. Obviously, we all have like non-linear career paths and stuff as well. But how did this, how did you sort of get this show from sort of its early stages to like where it is now? Like, what was the development process like, and what was like the funding model and stuff like? So I created kind of like bit by bit over a few years, and I've been working on it on and off. I had an idea for a character because I was I put in like the very first character in the show. I wore this red dress, stretchy dress, but I put my legs through the armholes and then kind of mm. worked with that as a mask, really. And so kind of moved around and see see what was happening. And then I had an idea for a character. And then I, there, luckily, when I first came to Scotland, there were scratch nights, which are just nights where you can go ba- basically present half-baked yeah. work to a really lovely audience. And then you can test it and see what works. And there was this event called Clown Cabaret Scratch Night that was a fairly regular occurrence in Glasgow and Edinburgh. And they were lovely. And I've tested quite a lot of work during those cabarets. So then, you know, tested it. And then there's another idea for a character. And then I had a little bit of funding from Creative Scotland years ago to kind of do a short development of it. And then, you know, the life of a creative is (laughs) you have so many plates spinning because you have to make a living. So you know, that kind of got put to the side and then worked on something else and then got picked up again and, and so on and so forth. And I think that worked for me because everything takes time. So I think for me, it was really good and useful to just like work on something pickle related and then put it to the side and then let time do its thing where it kind of sifts through the stuff that works and doesn't work and like you may even have revelations about it later but it was useful for me to just put it aside and then come back to it because then you come back to it with fresh eyes and with real lessons that you didn't think you learned but you did and then yeah and then the big one came with the creative scotland touring fund which helped me kind of develop the final 
bit of the show and then put it with work with lighting designers and technicians and director and kind of put it all together and then tour it so that was that was kind of the process i think that's but really, it took years. Yeah. yeah well no it's really interesting for people to hear because again like a lot of these things as you say you have to make a living so you're just spinning lots of plates and these things that have come over time i wanted to sort of go into that a little bit more if you don't mind like how i know i know you work on loads of other projects as well but how do you sort of keep that all working for yourself? How do, how do you sort of keep making a living as a theatre maker and stuff? I as think, a... uh, oh, <laughs> got my own spotlight there. <laughs> <laughs> I think, do you know, I often say I feel very lucky because I make my own work and I work with people that I really love and who I find really creative and talented. So I feel privileged from that point of view. So that means that I have a degree of control over the work that I do and over my time as well. And because I love it so much, I also am very dedicated and invested into into it all. So I this this piece of work pickled republic i may it's a solo show but i also work as i mentioned with a longtime collaborator mm. rose graber and we have a few shows on the on the road for that one so i don't know i think i think that's the, the main thing is that creating and performing my own work has been really really lovely and the fact that i'm not just a one trick pony as they say you know i can write stuff i can perform it i can direct it there's a few different things to my skill set mm. that really help me have the career that I have right now for which I'm very grateful and of course it's not I'm also total luck is also very much involved it's not like you know what I mean like luck is a huge part of the deal as well so yeah I often say even to some of the I've been asked this before just like what would you say to some younger creatives it's like I think try to diversify your skill like Mm. it doesn't mean you have to do everything but I think even something about maybe doing your own costume or something like it could help in kind of moving you along and it doesn't mean it means you don't have to depend on so many people at the start because as you go along you make connections and you make friends and you meet talents that you want to work with and who want to work with you but at the start it's useful to kind of be like oh I can Mm. do that too and I can do this too and then you end up meeting people that way as well. No, that's really interesting, sort of this diversifying thing, because I, I feel like this is such a common answer when we have people that work in theatre on this podcast. And um, we had Leila Noble on a few weeks ago, who's the resident director at Play Pie Pite in the moment. And she was mm. talking about this exact thing, diversifying how important it was for her to sort of make a living as a theatre maker and stuff. And I, I think it's probably true in most creative industries and most most parts of the creative industry, I should say. Um, yeah, I, I do think particularly theatre where there's maybe a bit less money and it's a bit more DIY at times, it's probably really crucial and much more helpful, etc. Oh, absolutely. And it also kind of helps you, like if you can do stuff, it means you can cut your teeth on things and then it teaches you what you like, what you don't like. It it like kind of rounds out your perspective on things as well. And you're just like, oh, this is the type of work I want to do because mm. I did this self-reducing, you know, like it just kind of gives you a better idea of what of what you like and what you don't like, what you're good at, what you're not good at, who you like to work with, what your rehearsal room you want it to look like, like all these things that are really useful to round out an artistic practice that then help you. And then if I'm honest, like it's kind of what's this kind of diversified skill set is this thing that kind of saved me in the pandemic because yeah. even in the pandemic meant that you know as we pivoted that that word we all hated but like it meant that I could be nimble you know me and Sarah Rose my collaborator we were nimble we were flexible because we could oh okay you need this thing cool well we can do that 
And so it just meant that we didn't have to wait for lots of different things. You know, we could just make them happen. No, I think that's so interesting and so useful for people to hear as well, especially people that maybe are interested in theatre particularly and want to sort of make, make it their full-time living, etc. It's really important. I've just got a few more questions for you. I've got some sort of quick fiery ones, which are a bit, they don't have to be like one word, but you know, just kind of funner ones. Sure. So the first of them is, what's the biggest influence on your work? <sighs> Oh my. Or biggest influences, I should say. Don't just have to have one. <laughs> <laughs> Off the top, Jim Carrey, Looney Tunes, Kramer from Seinfeld, Elaine from <laughs> Seinfeld, Mr. Bean, like cartoons, car- you know, like literally, I somebody, I don't know, was accusing me or maybe saying something because like you think in cartoon and I do. It's it's <laughs> kind of the way I built. <laughs> so I think those are off the top. Gosh. And, and yeah. then, of course, you know, Beckett, UNESCO, even Lynch to a certain degree, even though I don't enjoy all of his work. But I think mm-hmm. atmosphere-wise, he's the master, you know? Very surrealist stuff there. No, they're yeah. all really interesting answers, and especially the, the sort of ones you gave at first, they're all very physical. Even if even like Kramer and Elaine stuff, they're very physical in their performances. So Completely, completely. And yeah. I wanted to be a ballerina when I was growing up, or a figure skater. <laughs> so like, it was all related to movement stuff, which is, I mean, I think, obviously, when I didn't think about it as a child, but in retrospect, <laughs> now, even in this interview, <laughs> you know, realizing a bunch of stuff about myself, damn, okay. Interesting. <laughs> I'm glad to be of service. If you could collaborate <laughs> with anyone in theatre, like, so if you had the pleasure of collaborating with anyone, who would you collaborate with? We might have already done it. Not well. I've had the privilege of working with many amazing people, but I would love, 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 love to work with Simon McBurney, who runs Complicite Theatre. He, you know, and he's trained in physical theatre and all the rest of it. And they, you know, oh, I just, I think he's a great mind and a lot. I enjoy all of his work he does. And just, I just... Yeah, love his work and love his activism as well in terms of the environmental cause and indigenous causes as well. Great, great answer. Thank you. Also, what's the best venue you've had the pleasure of getting to perform in? I'm just looking at my production manager here because <laughs> trying to figure out, oh my God, what would you think? Ever or on the tour? Just in general, in your whole in career, like the best place you got to play in so far. Hmm. Really good question. You know what? We just had a really good time in Caradale, and I'll give them a shout out because they were lovely. And it was just a village hall, but it was a great little venue that was just hot. You know, just sometimes you walk into a venue and you just get the right vibe off of it. So I'm going to say mm. that for now. But in terms of we've pl- I mean, Sarah Rose and I have played in George Square and a large like outdoor stage that was that made us feel like rock stars. I don't know. There's been loads of them. Car parks come to mind. <laughs> Car parks in Italy where I also played. Gosh. Let's say, oh yeah, Mall, Mall was great. Mall Theater was great in, in the Isle of Mall. It was lovely, a lovely venue. And we mm. love the community there and the people who run the theater. So yeah, let's say that. Mall yeah, we, we, we had Kat McLeod, who's like a playwright and theater maker, who's from Mull, and she was said amazing things about it. But something I uh, really, I know this is meant to be the quick fire thing, but it doesn't matter. But something I want to quickly add as well, what's is amazing about your tour is it's so important for rural communities to get access to theater. And it's amazing that you're going around all these more smaller and local places. It's so important. Completely. So. It's such an important part of my practice and my ethos that I... Yeah, I I love I love doing that. And I think it's really, really important. And, you know, it's kind of like it's also quite surprising because sometimes you rock up to a community hall with a very absurdist piece of work like Pickled Republic. And you're like, you know, the median age is kind of like above, you know, kind of a bit older. And you're like, oh, shit, how is it going to be? And then it's it's amazing, like amazing people. 
it's it's kind of goes against everything we ever think about or whatever but it like people people love it people have a great time no it's great to hear and they need, you know we need more of that so it's you know it's really good mm. that you guys are touring like that speaking of touring my next quick fire one is what's your top tip for being on the road have the best team with you <laughs> <laughs> and what i mean by that is you know obviously talented crew and people who who are near you but also people who are great on the tour so like right now Geraldine Heaney as the engagement coordinator and stage manager and tour technician Zoe Williams, also a production manager. And it's just that I think we are all used to being on the tour and we're all we have the right disposition for it. And it just makes the tour fun. And I think just kind of pick your pick, pick your team right so that you can have some fun on tour and then see some amazing places because Scotland is gorgeous. Yeah. What was the best place you got to visit in Scotland? I'm just making that one up on the cuff now. But <laughs> on the cuff, just off the cuff. Well, with the last tour that Zoe and Sarah Rose and I did with Tuna Barrel, which is a physical theater show for young audiences about with kind of environmental themes and stuff. We went up to Orkney and Shetland and I've never oh, been beautiful. up there. We saw some gorgeous places that would love to go back. And I'll, I'll give a shout out to Mull here again because Mull is outstanding. Right. So we all kind of saw some amazing places there. That's class. And I've actually, you know, as I've, I've been lived in Scotland my whole life, but I've never been to Orkney or Shetland, they need to go. They look beautiful. So recommend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you guys are on the road, so I've just got a couple more questions. It won't be very long, but obviously the name of this podcast is Just Get a Real Job. We'd all had to work jobs when we didn't like or hated, etc. What's the worst quote real job or part-time job you'd ever had to work to support your art? I was a tour guide for the city sightseeing buses in Glasgow, which was hilarious because <laughs> I'm not from Glasgow but I trained as a tour guide and like pretty early on from after my arrival to Scotland which was hilarious because I ended up kind of touring and showing tourists around <laughs> down in <laughs> Glasgow that obviously I'm not Scottish but so I think it wasn't the worst job it was actually a pretty decent job it was hard though because you had to be outside in the winter and stuff but I think it just in terms of absurdity levels I think it was definitely one of those where you're like are you, wait but you're not Scottish no but you speak like an American but you're American no I'm not American but why <laughs> why is the Moldovan showing us around Glasgow <laughs> Another. you're like um, I don't know I, it's just a job <laughs> another absurd experience for you to, to put on the, yeah. the, oh, no, that's a, thank you for the answer it's, really, it's a nice one so the next question I have for you is just a you kind of touched on some advice for people who want to work in the creative industry and stuff but what are three essential skills you think you need to have to sort of work in physical fear fear in general so i think the one of the more important ones is persistence because everything takes time and much longer than you normally think so i think and being persistent and kind of tenacious about that kind of stuff is is very important mm -hmm. because well because things take time and sometimes you have to convince people of your not only of your talent but also of your art form in, in terms of physical theater and stuff so i'll say that one as a winner and then resilience because just get a lot of a lot of no's and a lot of yeah i think it's just kind of yeah just kind of be let let it wash over your back and just be buoyant you know and clown training helps with that because <laughs> you you get told you're not funny quite a lot until you are funny and then it's great but yeah and then i think the third one is playfulness i think playfulness is very important just to kind of keep that playful mm -hmm. attitude around i think it, it's i think that's related actually to buoyancy and resilience but it's just always trying to be to have fun yeah. and trying to be playful is is important i think in this industry no that's a really good answer thank you so much for that those free free uh, essential skills roxy it's been so nice chance on the podcast thank you again for doing this for the back of the van as well it's been no 
no worries. Really, uh, really, <laughs> Thank no, you. It's been <laughs> such an interesting interview. But I've just got one more question for you. Again, you've given advice for it, but what would your closing advice be for anyone that wants to get into the creative industries and theatre in general? I think people who want to do theatre and stuff, they already know that they want to do theatre. So I think just in a way, like don't doubt it too much and just kind of jump in. And because theater is one of those disciplines where you learn so much, even if you don't end up staying in the theater industry, you end up learning Mm -hmm. so much that's useful for so many other things and life in general that I think it's just and you get to meet some wacky, cool people as well along the way. So I think just don't doubt it. Just like do it and have fun. And yeah, I think just surround yourself with the right people and grow a community when and if you can and I think that's what's going to keep you going because it definitely was the thing that kept me going both here in Scotland and in in the U.S. when I was it was the community that supported me quite a lot and that I supported quite a lot as well I think it goes both both ways so yeah just do it have fun and just uh, surround yourself with the right people and you'll be grand right that's a lovely answer to close on Roxy thank you so much for your time I wish you guys all the best with the rest of the tour as well it's really exciting yeah thanks so much Jamie for chatting to me today that was really fun well, there you go. That was episode 116 of Just Get A Real Job. Thank you for listening. Thank you again to Roxy for her time. Appreciate her and her team pulling over there to chat to us and give up their evening on the road on tour. Be sure to go and see Pickled Republic and check out Roxy's other work. There's links to the tour and to Roxy's website in the show notes. As always as well, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to tell people to listen. Be sure to share it far and wide. If you listen on Spotify, you can follow us on Spotify so you don't miss the most recent episodes when they go out. You can rate us there as well. Obviously, wherever you're listening to podcasts, they have a rate button. So if you want to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen, that'd be greatly appreciated. We don't push it very often because the reason being is we're in a cost of living crisis and also we can't I don't really have the time to offer exclusives or anything on Patreon but we still have a Patreon which we very kindly get donations on from listeners that are loyal to us and stuff we don't make any money doing this podcast I do it because I love it so we kind of break even with our Patreon at the moment but any money we make on it it just goes back into this podcast to make it the best it can be so if you want to have a look at that there's a link to that under the show notes as well but yeah that's everything for this week we'll be back again next Wednesday I keep putting to say next Tuesday of habit but yeah next Wednesday now that's going to be a great episode from our live show last weekend but yeah enjoy your weeks and have a good one just get a real job